hand for Jesus. Clap your hands for Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. This is out of shepherding conference. We came here to do business. We didn't just come. We came here to do business. We came here because we are serious. We came here because we want to do the work of God. And I'm sure we are all here ready. Ready to be touched by God. To be equipped to go and do wonders. And I see that ministries and mega pastors are coming out of this convention, this congress in the name of Jesus. Your 20 members are going to be 40 members. Your place of meeting for a church is going to be solved. You will get a land and you will build a church. You have an office to meet people for counseling. In the name of Jesus, your church will not finish when there is Christmas. Your fellowships will meet and you have fellowship shepherds. In the name of Jesus. Let's put our hands together for Jesus and thank God for the life of a servant, Bishop Oko, for organizing this conference. Hallelujah. You may take your seats. Last Sunday, last Sunday I was in the office and a pastor came to see me. A pastor came to see me and he said that he was just passing by. He wanted to just pass by and say hi. So I said, okay, let me force and see him. When I went, so he just came to tell me that he wants to, he, wants, he just wants to tell me that thank you. And I said, thank you for what? He said, look, we did the Transform Your Ministry Conference just like this last year. And he had so many problems in his church. But he was coming to tell me that by the grace of God, the problems are solved and that the church is doing well. Another person had a problem with land. He called me, I think, from Nkoko from somewhere that he has dealt with the land issue and now they have a place to meet. I'm saying this for you to know that when you come for such conferences, you should expect that things are going to happen in your ministry. And I believe that next year, by the time we get here, we come again for this conference, you would send tests and you come and tell Bishop Ogo of the great works that God has done in your ministry. Hallelujah. Oh, only 40 people want to. Amen. Powerful. So thank you very much, Bishop Ogo, for thinking about all of us and thinking about all the ministries and the churches represented here and to impart unto them what the Lord has blessed our bishop with and what he has also blessed us with so that we shall all swim together in it and enjoy together. Amen. Um, I'm going to preach briefly about a very, very important topic. I'll start today 
and I will continue. Amen. And I've titled my small um, message for you today, um, Going Back or Back to Real Ministry, if you like. Back to Real Ministry. Amen. God never does anything without knowing what he, he wants to do or what he's doing. God will never start or do anything without knowing what he is doing or without a plan. And he always will give us the best way to do it and show us the way to do it. So whatever God has done and is doing, if you get involved in it, you will get to know that there is a way and there is a pattern that God will expect or require of you to follow. And if you follow it and you do it, you will see that you will get the same results that God would have if he was doing it himself. Hallelujah. And so we need, what are we here for? We are all here because we are ministers. And we are doing ministry. We are ministers and we are doing ministry. And we need to do real, real ministry. Because even though God will have in mind to have good things and God will have, will have in mind to, have, to create things, we always do know that there is also someone who will always come or somebody around who will come and try to dilute and to spoil what God is doing. There's always someone there always trying to confuse things. So we need to be able to be persistent and stick to what God and the, what God is doing and the way God wants us to do. You would agree with me that ministry, ministry is not as God intended for it to be as we see now. And it's about time we went back to doing real ministry so we can see fruits in our ministries and in our lives. Amen. And I'm going to preach extensively from one of um, Bishop's books, Transform Your Pastoral Ministry. I'm going to read extensively from it, Transform Your Pastoral Ministry. And to be a pastor means, if you're a shepherd, you're a pastor. If you're a fellowship shepherd, pastor, shepherd, any form of that, you are a pastor. Hallelujah. And this book and the points I'm going to give are all relevant to any form of ministry that you are doing. Amen. If you look in the Bible, you will see that in the Old Testament, true ministry was typified by gold. True ministry was typified by gold in the temple gold in the temple. And if you go to the temple, if you went to the temple, realize that every object in the temple was covered by gold. Which was the instructions that God gave to Moses. That was what God told Moses to do. So if you get to read from Exodus chapter 12, sorry, chapter 25, one following, I'll be quoting from various verses, but Exodus 25, one following. He said that, and the Lord spake unto Moses, 
saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering. So God told Moses, you get it? It was God who, who told Moses. Moses had no idea of it. So he told him that do this. And when we go to verse 8, he said that, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them and that I may dwell among them and verse 17 and thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold and thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee then you go to verse 22 he said, and there I will meet with you I will meet with thee and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. So you see, God had in mind exactly what he wanted the temple to look like. He had in mind exactly what he wanted the temple to look like. He didn't guess. He didn't just tell Abraham, Moses, go and do this. He had something in mind. And I want you to know that no one, no man or woman has the right to put any variations to what God has said we should do. You have no right to put any variation. And you can see that Moses did exactly. And when King Solomon also built the temple, he also followed God's plan the same way to the letter. You have no right. Do you get it? You have no right. That is why you see many of us have introduced some things into ministry. Into things that God has himself created and done. Things that we had no idea of. And he thought of it. And he has created and he has handed over to us. We have had the God to introduce our own variations. And no wonder we are not seeing the results and the fruits that we are supposed to see. Because we have introduced, make it of gold. You do not have the right to change it. Amen. The only way you would like to change it is maybe through disobedience or someone who does not want to see the results of you following exactly what God has asked you to do. Because the person knows what you would end up reaping if you should follow God. So we have no right. We have no right. Let me tell you something. We, did, we are not the originators of churches. We are not the originators of churches, just like many things. It was God himself who sat down after man had fallen and decided that he should still have a certain way of communion with, communion with man. And therefore there should be a temple that man could still go to and have fellowship with him. God was the one who decided. We didn't, it didn't occur to us. You get it? You know sometimes the way we do things like somebody will, will, will bring about something and we will behave as though we 
we are the originators of it. Like marriage. Do you get it? Like marriage. We were in our somewhere. <laughs> were we in our somewhere? God created us out of nothing. He created us out of nothing. And then we were walking around. That is man, Adam. He was walking around. He did not have any idea who he was made to be. God just made him. Do you get it? And he was naked. And he was walking in the garden like that. As he was walking in the garden, he, did, he had no idea about the functions of the things around him. He had no idea. Naked, walking, no idea about the functions around him. I'm sure he got to know about eating because he used his mouth to eat. But the other things, he was just walking and they were going left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. He didn't know at, look, he didn't know until God made a woman and showed him that this is what this is for. He didn't know. In other words, if God had told him that this is for golf forever and ever we would have been playing golf with that thing forever and ever if a man says let's go to a golf course and we see that is what we'll be using and it's gone and it's gone so we had no idea it was God who told us that this thing is for Logolegi. This thing that you have been moving around left, right, left, you don't know what it is for. It's for Logolegi. So he, and you show the wings. What is You don't tell me. So he started using it. But you see, over time, haven't you seen how people have started introducing variations? Variations to the thing. And they are now saying, oh, it doesn't have to be only this one. It can be through this one too. It can be this. It can be that. You see, we have introduced. But originally, the same with ministry. We have introduced things that we are not supposed to introduce. And that is why we are seeing all the things that we are seeing. So you see that when King Solomon later came to build the wall, to build the temple, he went exactly by what God gave to Moses. And if you read 1 Kings 6 through to um, chapter 7, you will see that almost everything that he did was covered with gold just like as God said he covered it with gold no variations exactly the way God said but what happened what happened back to real ministry what happened many years many many years later another king 
the scene who decided you know something happened something happened and another king decided to substitute the gold look at it substitute the gold and whatever happened you will see that it's also happening in our time albeit differently but it's happening in our time something happened and there's always something that will happen that if you do not take care you will introduce a variation to something that you are not supposed to it's something you are not supposed to do amen if you read let's go to second chronicles 19 verse 9 he said that so shishak everybody says shishak king of egypt came up against jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the lord and the treasures of the king's house so somebody came to attack them and the person was called shishak we have modern day shishaks i tell you taking away the gold from the temple shishak of a man shishak of a job shishak of so many things taking away the gold from the temple he took all he carried away also the shields of gold which solomon had made instead of which listen oh, this is very important instead of which you see after the gold had been taken away bible said that instead of which after the hymns the songs the good worship have been taken away from the church instead of which instead of which king rehoboam measured of brass and committed them to the hands of the chief of the guard that that kept the entrance of the king's house so what happened instead of rehoboam after the gold was taken forcing and sacrificing and making sure that he will not rest till the gold was brought back to the church because the gold was not there for decorations it was there for a purpose just as fornication is not mentioned in the church for preaching just as just as stealing is not mentioned in the church just for the sake of preaching the gold was in the church for a reason so if you took it out you have taken something part of the church away he took it out taking part of the church away but he stood there they took the gold and then he brought in what brass which looks like gold there are many brassy churches around it looks like gold it looks like ministry but it is not gold like many of us when we we're going to get married we bought wedding rings that was anything but gold then after some few years we changed it 
Amen. Gold, brass looks very much like gold. Do you know that? Brass looks very much like gold. And if you are uninitiated, uninitiated, you will think that it is gold. But if you are spiritual and you are matured, you will know that this thing is brass. But it's not gold. It's like how many people cannot know the difference between counterfeit money and proper money. You will see that this one, it looks real. It looks the same. And many things look, look real and the same. It looks real. It looks the same. But it is not real. And as, as people of God, as pastors, as ministers, the time has come for us to go back to real ministry. Hallelujah. Why didn't Solomon build it with brass? Why didn't he do it with brass? Because that's not what God said. We don't need to, you see, sometimes instead of even preaching in a certain way so that the church will, 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 will be like a church, we preach in a way that the church will be filled with people. So instead of the word, we are brought in ideas of men. So we are variations. Introduce so many variations. But at this conference, we are going back to real ministry. Hallelujah. We are not going to substitute anything. Let me tell you something. If you do real ministry, your ministry will grow. You will think that it will not grow. You will think of the way things are going. Let me introduce some variations. You, you may introduce things that will rather make the gold look nicer, but that which will not vary from gold. You can, you can, you can um, shine gold, is that not so? You can make it look brighter, is that not so? Yeah. But not to change it. We can, in the midst of the gold, we can do so many things, but we do not need to source it with anything. So after this convention, we are going to do what? Real ministry. Amen. If you look in the Bible, the book of Acts chapter 6, verse 2. Acts chapter 6, verse 2. You will see that Shishak almost appeared here too. Shishak almost. This time Shishak came in another form. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. And said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Which means that for a long period of time, they had deviated. They were serving tables. They had introduced some variations to the original calling and the original work that God gave handed over to them. Even the first, the first Christians who were with Christ, the first born again Christians who were with Christ, he left them for a short while. They had introduced some variations. But thank God that somebody amongst them noticed it. Do you get it? And that's even the first step for you to go back to real ministry. 
to notice and to realize that we are going in a wrong direction. Because if you, if you don't know, you can never turn around. If you're on a road, you are visiting somebody, and you don't know that you have, you have, passed, you have passed the turning, the, the junction you should turn. You, you go until you know that, Charlie, you are lost. So if you do not know that you have deviated, and so most of us, many of us, our deviations have become glorified. Glorified deviations. But this man, eh, he noticed that something was wrong. Something was wrong. Even though they were doing something, they were doing something, they were doing worship, people were singing, people were dancing, they were, but he still could feel in his spirit that there was something wrong. And you, you must feel, if you are in Ghana now, you are a pastor now, and you think that what we are doing, you are happy with it, there is something wrong with you. There is something wrong. You must feel that, you must know that there is something wrong about the church. Something wrong. So the 12th, after out of shepherding congress, called the disciples and said, it is not reason to leave the word of God and serve tables. What were you, they doing? They were serving tables. And isn't it good to serve tables? You see, the variations, eh, they are very nice. Oh. The variations, they are very nice. It's not like they are evil. It's not like they are, they are, they are sins. Do you get it? They are very nice. I mean, so many people have come. They've lost their husbands. There's a tsunami. They've lost their homes and things. And they've come. They don't have anywhere to stay. And I have, I'm giving them food to do what I've had done wrong. Service to man is service to God. So they say. So what have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? But they realized that there was something wrong. The brass... Brass looks very much like gold. You get it. But that is not it. That is not it. So they say, wherefore? So they found a solution. You get it. Which meant, which meant that what they were doing was good. It wasn't an evil thing. But they were not those who were supposed to do that. No. They were not supposed to do that. So what they did was that they looked for other people. And they entrusted that work to them. So that they will do real ministry. Put your hands together for Jesus. <laughs> Beloved, I've been a pastor for some time. And I would, I would agree with this statement that Bishop makes in this book. That there are many things that look like true ministry. But they are not. Many things. They look like true ministry. But they are not. And how sad would it be when you go to heaven and you get to the, all the things we're doing were done scoring. Hey, it will not be easy at all. Yeah. I mean, is it not nice for, okay, you let him go on. So Peter said what? We'll give ourselves to what? Prayer. We'll give ourselves to what? We'll give ourselves to what? So prayer is ministry. Prayer is ministry. And maybe as time goes, I'll give you about seven keys to transform your ministry and to, to go to real ministry. 
But prayer is one of them. Because he says it's clearly here that we will give ourselves to prayer in ministry. I mean, how many people pray? How many people pray? And how long do you pray for? Bishop Doug was telling us about Dr. Yonge Cho, who had the largest church. Once in time, it was the largest church recorded in the Guinness Book of Record. And he said that he does not pray a minimum of three hours a day. Pastor of the largest church, praying. They did a survey about pastors and they realized that the average pastor, you will say in America, but all over the world, average pastor prays for about just about five minutes a day. And if you are fortunate, five minutes a week. Meanwhile, the ministry is prayer. What does God have to do with God? What does it have to do with God? And yet God said, do it, do gold. You don't know what, what it means. You cannot go and say, I'm going to do brass. There is something about God. He said, you do it this way. And there's something about prayer. Say, let's give ourselves to prayer. And then also what? To the word. So we'll go into prayer and we'll go into the word, which is ministry. Hallelujah. Because you'll get to know that many of us, we do not take the word as ministry. And so our words are not powerful. If you like, let me just make it as blunt as that. The word of God is the food we give to the sheep to eat. So it must be very important to you. Bishop Oyedipo says that the, the, the sheep, they go to where the grass is green. So that if you start in your church, you're always complaining. Why are people leaving my church to this church? Why are people, they are sheep. And sheep need grass. And they don't need grass that is weeded. They need green grass. So from today, you must transform your word ministry in the name of Jesus. And we'll get there when we come to the word. Which is one of the things you need to go back to the real word that we preach. Because under some of the preachers we are preaching, we are just tickling people's ears. Go back to a real word that we should preach. So, so we'll give ourselves to what? To prayer and to the preaching of the word. Without it, without it, we will not see real, real ministry. Hallelujah. And if the church stops doing ministry, who will do ministry? If the church stops doing ministry, who will do ministry? If the church, one day somebody was talking about, oh, how we should not let, um, if you don't take care, it will take certain decisions. Islam will fill the country and everything. And then even somebody was saying that, I mean, I don't want you to go to the But somebody was saying that if you don't know and you vote for 
a president who is a president who is a Muslim, and then the country become an Islamic nation. You get it? And I, I said, I know the problem is not a president will be a Muslim, a president will be a Hindu, or president. The problem is if the church will do what we are supposed to do. Yes. It's if the church will do, will do what we are supposed to do. Nobody can come and take over anything. You can have even Jesus to be the president of this nation. But if we behave the way we are behaving now, that's what is going to happen. Hallelujah. And so we are the people who are supposed to do ministry and church. Let us know what real, real ministry is like. Amen. Now, before I go into what makes real ministry, let us take another thing that I want us to do as a foundation for what we we'll do. You cannot do ministry without first looking at the person who first did ministry. And who is that person? Jesus Christ, isn't it? You cannot do ministry without first looking at the person who first did ministry. Hebrews 1, 3 says, Who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Do you get it? So, Jesus Christ is the best example. You understand? For us in ministry, the best example, he is the express image. Following Jesus would make you do real ministry and cause you to achieve excellence in ministry. And what did Jesus do? As a model example of ministry. Here again, you will see that Jesus used the model of prayer. Prayer was very much part of the pattern of ministry that Jesus used. For ministry that Jesus used. Prayer. Jesus himself in Mark 1, 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there he prayed. This is who? This is who? This is Jesus. But he prayed. And so if you are to follow any example of ministry, this is the best example for you to follow. You must pray as a minister. Peter said, Peter said, and why did Peter say so? I am sure Peter said it because he had always seen Jesus praying. So he told us, no, 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 I'm sure we, we are doing something wrong. Yeah, Jesus also fed the 5,000 and fed all of the people who were, who were hungry. And yet he had time to pray. He had time to pray. So there's something wrong. That's why Peter went back. So Jesus was a man of prayer. Dear uh, um, um, pastor, shepherd, church leader, you, if you want your ministry to do well, you must be a person of prayer. You should pray. And we will get to know, I'm sure, tomorrow why it is important that you pray. 
you will get to know why it is important that you pray. Amen. He prayed. So as for a pattern, for going back to real ministry, we have to pray. How often do you pray as a minister? Do you pray for your sheep as a minister? Do you wake up a great while before day to pray? Or you wake up a great while before day to listen to radio programs? How often? These days we have substituted prayer with even WhatsApp. Hey! Many things have come eh, that is taken away. One of the things I saw, I'm, I'm seeing, which is a variation, which is becoming very dangerous, is WhatsApp, WhatsApp songs that Quarisers learn on their WhatsApp group. You see Quarisers, they will put their WhatsApp, their song on their group, and they'll be rehearsing. It looks good, isn't it? It looks nice. But it is something is being taken away. Because the essence of ministries in church is to foster friendship. The social bit, foster friendship, fellowship. Do you get it? That's what makes people bond. So if you took that one away, what are you going to get? What's going to happen? You have queries that will be singing. There's no bonding. There's no this thing. And pastors and ministers are doing WhatsApp counseling. WhatsApp, which, is, which may be good at the point. You know, as I said, they did not abandon. They appointed people. Do you get it? They did not abandon the, what they were doing. They just appointed. So it is good in a certain sense, but it's, it's not supposed to substitute what is the real thing. It's not supposed to substitute what is the real thing. Do you get it? So he prayed. Amen. You have to pray. You see, if you don't pray, what is going to happen is that you will get people, but within a short time, you will not see them again. But there's something that prayer does in ministry. There's something that prayer does. The next thing we can learn from Jesus, because my time is almost up, but the next thing we can learn from Jesus is visitation. And as old as he is, you, he still remains the same. As old as it seems, it is still that which works. It is still that which works. There is no substitute for visitation. There isn't. There is no, you may make a brassic form of visitation. But it is not the same as the gold. God could have sent us a WhatsApp that I have a son who so loved you that if you believe in him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. He could have sent us a, 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 a message. He could have put on Facebook or YouTube. YouTube. He could have put there. But he did not do that. Don't tell me that, oh, Bishop, those days there were no satellites in the distance. And if there were all those things, and we didn't have iPhones. If you had iPhones and the whole world had um, um, smartphones, maybe Jesus would have appeared and spoken to all of us. So it was in those days. But now, I don't think God will do the same thing. <laughs> you know, the, Moses, I hear, had a tablet. So iPad started long ago. <laughs> 
You are now seeing tablet for the first time. Moses had a tablet. Amen. God visited. Dear pastor, last week or last two weeks, I met somebody in church, you know, many times I'll see somebody, so this is a new face, especially if they are giving offering or they are giving their task. So I haven't seen this face before. So I, so I said, oh, I haven't seen this face before. When did you join the church? You, your sheep, you have 10 sheep, you don't even know their names. If they don't care, you don't even know, but we could see where, even I can know, if you come to church for almost, I can even see where you sit when you come to church. So when you don't come, I'll know that you didn't come to church. So I said, oh, I've not seen, met you before. So I just joined the church, I think three weeks ago. I said, huh, that is why. And we're doing the prayer and fast. So he said, I've been coming for prayer and fasting and all those things. So I said, okay. So I gave her a friend. And I said, please, from today, this is your friend. I was there. And the following week, the Saturday, she called me. And she sent me a test. When she sent me a test, I said, hey, I went to visit this person. When I went to visit, I don't want to tell you what it is because we are going to preach tomorrow. But you know how it is. I say, I won't sleep. Tell me what it is. If you didn't want to say, you shouldn't have told me. <laughs> Look, this person, some sad story. She had lost her husband in a tragic way. She lived in a very big mansion alone with their two little children and had been crying almost every day. Hey. And she said that she, her, she and her husband were in a church. And ever since the husband died, nobody had visited them. And then, and then she had started, she had, since, since that time, she had visited about four or five churches. So she just decided to visit our church. And she came and to her surprise, for the first time since her husband died, somebody had come to visit her. And she was so surprised that she came to church. And then I asked her about when you came, others met you. So, yeah. And so, so those who met you, have they visited? So, no, but they have sent me messages. You know, this type of Aquaba team and this type of, what do you call them? First time, as if they are doing something, they are doing nothing. When they come, they will not, they will come and stand there with their tie, follow this man to the back, follow this, but they don't do anything. They just go and take the thing and write it down. They don't follow up. They don't visit. They don't, if you depend on them, your church will finish. If you depend on them, your church will finish. <laughs> if you don't take and go into the thing and do the thing yourself. After that, mistake, so I called the people. I said, have you seen? There's a lady coming to church every day, but you haven't visited her. There is no substitute for visitation. There are times you can send tests, you can do the but to visit is very important. And Jesus visited. If don't tell that, oh, my church has grown, we are now thousands, so don't visit. You must find ways to visit. You can get groups, groups to visit, you can get shepherds, and then there are some visits. You should do it yourself as the pastor. God did it himself as a shepherd of six. Sometimes you go and see people who are there, shepherds of six. Where are your members? They didn't come. What are their names? They will give you their first names and their guy names. They don't even know what their names are. Where do they live? They don't know. If you have not visited five sheep, how do you expect your church to grow? 
That is not a pattern. Hallelujah. That is not real ministry. Somebody had a, a vision. She said that once she saw that Jesus was standing on the stage, and Jesus was trying to tell us something as a church. He was trying to tell us something. But we weren't hearing what he was saying. So someone mentioned to Jesus that he has to send WhatsApp. <laughs> Can you believe it? Jesus was trying to talk to us. Do you get on the stage? And then we were not hearing, we were not listening. So somebody whispered to Jesus, oh, now we have to send WhatsApp. So Jesus asked the angel that can he show him, can he show he, Jesus how to send WhatsApp? I said, wow. What a vision. I've been praying about that vision for a long time. <laughs> what a vision. God, he said he doesn't know how to send the WhatsApp, but he was trying to talk to us. So what I'm saying is that WhatsApp is good. Technology is good. We all use it. But don't let us substitute it with a real gold. You get it. There are times you have to go yourself. Ask yourself as a pastor. Ask yourself as a, 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 a shepherd. When was the last time you took your car to visit a church member? Just to visit the when was you as you be you just send people and you send tests. Even when they tell that they are sick, you don't go to the hospital to go and visit them. This is not real ministry. Third, and then we'll, we'll finish for today. Another pattern Jesus showed us was teaching. That is the word. And I told you that somewhere along the line, I'll talk about how the word can transform your ministry. But to give you a gist of it, you know, some of us, our teaching is, our preaching is boring. We are, if you were the one preaching after, after first service, and people have gone to break to go and eat bangkun, they have gone to eat tilapia, and again, they have come to see, you, you will see that everybody is sleeping. But I think you are not sleeping. Are you sleeping? <laughs> Ask your friend, are you sleeping? Because the pastor is about to say something. <laughs> Our preaching is, the food we serve is boring. It's boring. And we need, do you get it? We need to transform our preaching ministry. We need to transform. Some of you need to buy preaching and listen to it and know how to preach. I have learned how to preach by listening to my father preach. Hey! And I'm preaching, isn't it? <laughs> At least your bishop says I'm preaching. It means I'm preaching good. If you are here and my preaching is not good to you, <laughs> you are not supposed to be here because you are not in ministry. Because this is for those who are in ministry. Hallelujah. You need to preach well. One, you must preach with anointing. Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. You should preach and people should come and tell you that last week after you preached and I went home, something happened to me. Somebody said he came, she came to her church and for the first time she came for 31st night. That's the first time she was coming to church. And she thought she was coming for 31st You know how 31st nights are like? I see you. And next year, it's going to be your year of financial. Hey. Then when she came, we sang God worship. And I said, this year, my preaching is about reading 
your year of reading. She said, ah. <laughs> Am I in the right place? <laughs> is it the 31st night? My year of, what is it my year of reading? Reading what? Then I preached. She has been in the church ever since. She told me that when she went home, she said, ah, but this church, what can they do? This? And yet, something about the word kept pulling her and pulling her and pulling her. Because the way that we speak, they are not just letters. They are spirit and they are life. They are not just letters. Life. So the life of the word, if, you see, many people, you see, if you want to preach well, many people don't like your preaching. If you want to preach well, like Jesus started preaching well, he gave them food to eat and he decided to swish. When he preached, he said, Kai, who can go to this church? Nobody will go to there. They all started going. He said, oh, but the preaching is too hard. How can we come to church? You come and tell us about all this. They all left. Come and eat my flesh. What sort of preaching is that? Come and eat my flesh. <laughs> go, is it goat meat or what? Is that what sort of preaching is that? And then Peter and the rest said, no, 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 we did. We will not, you have the word of life. So when you want to, if you want to preach well, real preaching, you say many people will not stay, but those who will stay will be people who really, really, really are called to stay with you. Yeah. Yes. And I tell you, you may think that when you preach like that, people will leave, but people will rather stay. They will rather stay. So preach well. We'll talk about preaching soon. In the course of time. Amen. So he preached. So when you are preaching, as if you are preaching to giraffes, we are supposed to feed sheep. What will make a giraffe strong will kill a sheep. So you should know what the sheep need. Amen. And then what did Jesus do again? Interaction. A very good example of ministry is to interact. Do you get it? To interact. The Bible says that, have I read about preaching? Mark 1, 38. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. Amen. For therefore came I forth and he preached in their synagogue throughout all Galilee and I said, therefore, that is why I came. To preach. Not to tickle the ears of people. Amen. And then the next part which is very important as we look at Jesus as our greatest example of ministry is interaction. Mark 1, 16 and 17. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishes, and said unto them, Follow me. Come ye after me, and I will make you fishes of men. Hallelujah. He said, Follow me. Just come. Let's flow. Let's flow. You see, you should have a lot of times of interactions with your members. You should have a lot of times of interaction with your members. Have meetings that you just interact. Get to know yourselves. Flow with them. It is the best form of even teaching people. That is when they can, have, they can ask questions that they cannot ask when you are preaching. That's when they can make some inputs. And you can get to know them. 
So you have to be a, you have to be a good person. So you will get to know that one of the ways to transform your ministry and to go back to real ministry is to transform yourself. Is to change yourself. Because some of us we need to change. We are too stiff. We are we are hiding under this type of temperament, and that's how I am, and things like that. And we are not doing ministry. Whatever happened to spirit-controlled Christians? As many as are led by their temperament. As many as are led by their cholerism. He says, as many as are led by what? Yes. So you must need change your yourself. Change yours. The way you talk. The way you scream. The way you, it's some way. In some way, people can't come to you. People cannot come to you. They cannot come and talk to you. They cannot come and interact. They cannot flow with you because they are afraid of They are scared of your face. Amen. I mean, if you want to transform your ministry and go back to real ministry, I believe that this Congress is spirit-led. This Congress is supplying for us a lot of things we lack in ministry and things that are going to change our ministry. This four days that you are spending here, I, 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 I prophesy to you. Is it even a prophecy? I know it for a fact from my spirit that by the end of this year, just as somebody came to tell me that his church has doubled, your ministry will double. If you are a shepherd and you sit for people for fellowship, your fellowship, your pastor will be forced to change your fellowship into a ministry. Some of you, your pastor will have no option than to change your satellite into a branch. And then he may be forced to buy a land and start a church and it will become a cathedral. Because we are going to do what? Real, real ministry. Hallelujah. When I, be, when I was a, a shepherd, follow-up ministry, I did the shepherd work to the extent that most of the branches we have in Lighthouse Chapel International came out of the ministry. You can ask Bishop Hemish. Came out of the follow-up ministry. Because the follow-up ministry grew and grew and grew and grew. Then we started... AOFMs out of the follow-up ministry. The choristers were part of the AOFM. Then we said, no, no choristers should be part of the, um, what do you call it? Teacher and follow-up. said, no choristers should come to teacher and follow-up. We separated all of them. At the end of the day, it had been, oh, branches were started out of it. I can't say it because I have <laughs> Out of it. That is what is going to happen to you as well. Your branches are going to look like headquarters. People's headquarters. In the name of Jesus. You are going to receive the spirit of a shepherd. And if you have the spirit of a shepherd, you will have no option than sheep coming. You, you attract sheep. You attract sheep. sheep will, they will go and you don't know why they are coming back to church the following day because they have seen a transformed shepherd. In the name of Jesus. Put your hands together for Jesus. Wow.
Thank you once again, Bishop Ogo. Let's take our seat for inviting and for organizing this conference. I am going to tell my shepherds that, look, something is happening here. You better find time and come here and transform your shepherdorial ministries because you need to be a good shepherd. Hallelujah. So God bless you. Tomorrow, God willing, we'll go on some of the keys that you need to do real ministry. So let's put our hands together and welcome Bishop Edwin. Oh, good.